0: Becky,
1: look at her butt. Hi, and welcome to the Stop Chasing Skinny radio program. This is our fourth interview in our series of eating disorders. Um, Eating Disorder Awareness Month is in the month of February. And so I wanted to bring together some interview guests that could talk about eating disorders, disordered eating. And today we have Deb and Deb Lovelace. I can't say it. i Ivoli. only. i It's um, a tricky one. It is a tricky one because it looks like an L. It's an I on there too. Um, yeah. So Deb is the dietitian at the Hearth Center for Eating Disorders. And um, she's also a sports dietitian. So Deb has a really, really interesting background when it comes to sports, and it's really great to find somebody who specializes in eating disorders, because what I'm finding in this series of interviews is that's a really um, challenging field to work in. So, and the other really cool thing is that you are such a very serious athlete, and you're an endurance athlete, um, and you have you have won your age group a few times, is that correct? Uh, yeah, I yeah. have. Awesome. That's awesome. So, welcome, Deb. If you could just give a little bit more information on your background, Um, you've been to school for a very long time, and you're really good at what you do. So, if you could share that with us, that'd be great.
0: Okay, sure. Um, I am a registered dietitian with a specialty in sports dietetics. Um, So, within that um, sports dietitian title, um, encompasses eating disorders. So, one of my specialties is eating disorders, and I'm currently Working at an eating disorder facility facility called the HEARTH Center for Eating Disorders
1: in Columbia. Yeah, that's it. That's um, it's the only inpatient eating disorder uh, facility in South Carolina. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. And so I wanted to bring you on today because um, something that I have I've seen, but I didn't really realize that. Um, athletes are super prone to developing eating disorders and I totally see why now we kind of, um, we just keep going with things and, and we are super determined and, um, and I know when I first started doing, um, fitness competitions, I, had a coach, but I was not listening to my body. So my coach slash nutritionist should have been helping me to listen a little better, but I was completely ignoring all of the signs. And I'm going to include some pictures into our show notes to show what I'm talking about. So thank you so much for coming on to talk about this. Cause, um, I think that it's one of those topics that we don't, you know, we don't realize that maybe sometimes our in our efforts to get healthy, we could totally go overboard with that.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah. So my first question to you is, um, athletes and disordered eating and eating disorders, um, is this a problem? Obviously it is because we're talking about it, but I want to see, um, how that looks different from somebody who is not an athlete or does it look different?
0: Okay, sure. Um, well, when you think about it, athletes do have a lot of the same characteristics of somebody with an eating disorder, such as perfectionism, Type A personality, you know, really um, go-getters. So, um, you know, people that um, have are athletes and may have a predisposition to getting an eating disorder um, often take things to the extreme, and it can result in an eating disorder.
1: Yeah, which is um, yeah, and and it's I, I think too. Do you see it because we surround ourselves with other people who are like-minded and really talk about it being health but it's easy to kind of switch over to the not so healthy
0: exactly right I think everybody seems to be kind of caught up in I know a lot of my friends are triathletes um, primarily you know they get caught up in the number of hours they spend training and you know following certain diets or just doing things
1: to the extreme,
0: which may not uh, really help them um, yeah. gain
1: any performance benefits. Which is <laughs> the, you know, that's that's kind of the ironic exactly. part, right? Like you, right. you work it's harder hard. <laughs> exactly. and you're not. So I loved that. When we, we had a little conversation, we were talking about this interview, and I love that you are, and I think I might title this um, this show something about you being the endurance athlete that, quote unquote, doesn't that's do good. too much cardio. So no, talk about that. <laughs> talk about that just a little bit.
0: Sure. Well, I guess my philosophy is quality over quantity. So, you know, I structure my training um, very loosely. And, I, um, you know, I have specific workouts that I try to get in, but um, I'm not really about the volume or the number of hours that I train. Um, I mean, some weeks are as little as three hours of training, yet um that's you know, awesome I'm training I'm training for an iron man so it um you know i it, it doesn't really equate volume doesn't equate to performance yes um, it's yes. really about you know getting your strength workouts in and getting enough rest getting the proper nutrition um equal good results
1: yeah well thank you for saying that because i i know i was in the camp of more better right. <laughs> the more the better Um, But, yeah, I just ended up beating my body down over and over and over again. So thank you for that. So three hours sometimes, as little as three hours. What's, like, kind of the maximum um, hours that you would train? Like, you're totally in season, you're really doing it.
0: Um, That's funny. Uh, Because when I look back for my first Ironman, I was pretty proud of the fact that, oh, wow, I had a 19-hour week or a 20-hour week. But I, I mean, really in my peak training right now, I usually, my highest is probably nine, 10 hours. And that might include like a three hour ride or, a, you know, or a three hour race or something like that. So yeah. it's, it's not a whole lot, really.
1: No, that's just, not, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. is awesome. I mean, that's great news because then you don't have to go out and do it quite so hard.
0: Mm-mm. Yeah. yeah it's
1: not really necessary. Right. Right. <laughs> no. Yeah. You know, I love that. I I just love that. That's um, you know, that's that's your philosophy. That's that's a healthy and balanced way to do it. Um, I know when I wasn't being so healthy and balanced about it, um, it was because it was lack of knowledge. So I hope the listeners are taking lots of notes away from this that you don't have to train yourself into the ground and actually is is counterproductive to do that. And as I'm seeing with my, um, my own adrenal issues that, um, that I've been having and that I've had off and on over the years. And, and I know that it's from overtraining, um, probably some over dieting and I don't really diet too much, but you know, maybe, maybe decreasing nutrition too much and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so I want to go ahead and move over to talking about, um, how overeating and then overtraining is actually a binge eating problem. Um, could you talk a little bit about that? Well,
0: I think oftentimes, um, you know, it can, it can start with the binge. Like we talked about, um, somebody overconsumes, maybe just, you know, it tastes good. Maybe haven't eaten in a while and they over themselves, and then they do compensatory uh, exercise to kind of redeem themselves and will run for miles, um, or it can be the opposite, like they are restricting, restricting, you know, a lot, and maybe they're exercising on top of that, and it ultimately leads to possibly a binge, because it's biological in nature, our body wants to feed itself, and um, sometimes it may be difficult to stop. And this is biological, not a matter of, of willpower.
1: Yeah, thanks that for is, clarifying that. Because I, I see that a lot with, um, mm. with a lot of my clients where they'll, they'll think that it's a lack of willpower. And then when we take a look at what they've been eating, they really haven't been eating enough. And so now they're beating themselves up over oh, yeah. the binge eating where you were like, well, no, your body was just fighting back. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yes, <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: and guilt and shame. Around that is just psychologically, it's really self defeating.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not a fun place. I've been there several times. Thank goodness I'm, I'm not there. But yeah, I would, um, I would totally calculate out, well, it was this many calories and I'll have to run this many miles. And, you know, in my head, it totally justified it. But, um, it was kind of spinning my wheels.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. Not actually getting stronger, better, faster, any of that stuff. So, um, yeah. 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 So, so then as far as getting ready for um, some of these endurance events that you're going to have, what kind of nutrition do you have the night before? Cause we hear a lot of this carb loading stuff where I see like literally a pound of pasta being consumed. I know I've done that. How much do you really need? Oh. Oh, that's a
0: lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, my philosophy is, you know, you don't need to Necessarily, carb load. If you have an adequate training diet, you're probably already consuming the majority of your food from carbohydrates, and that should be your primary fuel source. So, if you're getting enough on a day-to-day basis, um, you may be topping off your glycogen stores the morning of with a decent breakfast. So, um, it, having you know the, the big pasta meal the night before may not be necessary. And, and sometimes it can be detrimental, too, as far as, um, you know, feeling a little woe-y or um, not feeling, you know, totally uh, feeling a little bit more oh, fluid retention because of the excess carbohydrates that you've consumed.
1: That's a great um, point. That's yeah. really great. And so I know we have a lot of listeners who have um, who have children who, have, like, especially teenage daughters. I know that's where my whole... "Quote unquote carb loading" began was I ran cross country, and so we would have these big pasta dinners the night before, and um, I did it with swimming as well. And so, you know, from a young age, I was consuming a lot, and you know, my parents had no idea that that could potentially be um, a detrimental event. <laughs> I guess you might call it. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Can slow you down? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it totally yeah. could slow you down. So as parents, as parents listening, um, what kind of advice would you give to a parent who has a child who is in one of those larger endurance sports as far as um, kind of helping to coach them at home? Because, you know, parents get to coach at home occasionally.
0: Well, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, something like a cross-country race or something that's... Um, that really isn't an endurance event, so to speak. So um, the focus should really just be on, you know, healthy eating or, you know, eating kids-like food. It doesn't necessarily have to be clean eating, so to speak. It's, that's what the connotation, I think, when people think healthy food. But, um, you know, well-balanced meals with variety and moderation. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and I love that you said... For most like high school sports is we're not talking about um, you know sustaining you know running for an hour and a half or two hours right um, at a time it might be stop and go where they may get some breaks here and there where they can, can grab something or um, get something uh, electrolyte beverage with carbohydrates like gatorade a or something like that um, in between
1: so, so that's plenty. A diet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great because I, you know, I, as, as a cross-country runner in high school, I totally thought that was endurance. And, you know, I, I think that a lot of listeners probably think that's endurance and that you would need to have the extra for that. So thanks for that clarification. So then um, let's actually take one really quick break and we're going to come right back. I want to talk about why we, why we typically do um, excess cardio is what I see most of it. Get in there. are an awesome endurance athlete who um, takes it very, uh, very seriously, but also very balanced. I love that. It's, it's, um, it's very easy to kind of overdo it in some of these sports, which is my next topic I want to talk about is I see, um, if I see somebody who is over exercising, it's typically excessive cardio. Um, could you talk a little bit about why we choose cardio, that kind of thing?
0: Yeah, Sure. Yeah, I think a lot of people have the mindset that they're, you know, they, that, that's the best way to change their body shape um, when in reality it probably isn't the best and oftentimes they're not fueling themselves properly to um, even maintain that all that um, excessive exercise. So they're really doing a lot of... Um, Catabolic work, or they're just really breaking down their tissue. Now, than that's changing anything.
1: No breaking down, because I try to help paint this really big picture for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, now the catabolic, the breaking down of the tissue, why is that bad?
0: Why is that bad?
1: Yeah. Like
0: yeah. Well, um, I mean, they may or may not be losing weight because sometimes, you know, our body's an incredible machine. And if you're not fueling properly, oftentimes it's excessive exercise, and excessive restricting. So um, they're really not eating enough to to fuel their body. And therefore, then the body is in starvation mode. And it's going to slow everything down. It's going to slow your metabolism down. And it's really going to fight that. um, I always tell people, you have to look at your body as like an organism from the neck down. It just wants to survive. So it's going to do whatever it needs to, to do um, to survive. It thinks it's in famine.
1: Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And and to uh, kind of bring it back to what you said in the beginning, maybe it's not willpower. Maybe it's because you've been restricting too much. Right.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah. But then the eating disorder piece comes into it when we think that it's our willpower broken, right? Um, right, yeah. I mean, it's
0: really having eating disorder is really about um, – not being in control, although people kind of deem it as this disorder where um, it's about control, but the eating disorder actually is controlling you Um, because, again, it's biological in nature. A lot of the eating disorder behaviors arise from just the starvation process itself.
1: Which leads me into my next question, which is, could you share some warning signs of an athlete taking their training and their nutrition to extremes?
0: Sure. Um, I think I would be uh, seeing some red flags if uh, somebody's, like, chronically dieting and they're an athlete, you know, looking for that um, quick weight loss um, plan or if they're weighing themselves. Excessively, you know, more than once a day, um, or they have some abnormal eating patterns. They're, you know, maybe they don't eat before they work out, um, or following, you know, low carb diet, or restrict some other type of restrictive diet, um, and then of course the overtraining. Uh, injuries, I could go on and on. Yeah, on, yes, please, <laughs>
1: just keep talking. This yeah. is perfect, because yeah. I think a lot of times, like when I was going through my problems that I had from um, the fitness competition stuff, like I said, I wasn't being watched as closely as I needed to be, and I didn't realize that my inability to sleep was a problem. I didn't realize that the night sweats had something to do with adrenal problems that I was having from over-dieting, over-training. So it's some things like that. So please continue on.
0: <laughs> um, well, um, in girls, they could, they could lose their period, amenorrhea. Yep. Um, what else?
1: That um, happened to me for four years, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, um, it happens. Yeah. Um, you know, skipping meal, meals, um, not having any variation in their diet, you know, always having the same thing, everything, the same thing for breakfast and the same thing for lunch. Uh,
1: That's a huge point. And yeah. something that I noticed too is, is if you do that, if you have the exact same thing every single meal, then you might start to have cravings, right? And so the cravings are like a signal that you might want other stuff and that might kind of push you into binging possibly.
0: No, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you are in this um, self-deprivation mode, where you're just depriving yourself, or um, you think you need to restrict all these foods, yeah, your body's going to rebel, and it's it, uh, it, it wants food, and, um, and it's again, it's not about willpower. It's, it could be biological in nature. that's it's our body's mechanisms to, to survive. So, yeah, and, it, and that whole restrict. Um, and binge cycle, you know, you're just setting yourself up for that um, with the restriction and and going into the binge, and again that that leads to the remorse and guilt and shame and it leads to self um, really poor self-esteem or self-worth, and and then I'm going to be good tomorrow and go into the whole restriction again the next day. So uh, yes, not, you're just setting yourself up.
1: You're right. It's a cycle. And I I didn't realize when I was in it that I, you know, after the fact, you see that it's a cycle. So anybody listening and you're like, oh, well, you know, I kind of see myself at some point in this cycle, um, you know, to recognize that it is a cycle uh, is really important. So then if somebody is listening and they say, okay, this is a cycle that I've been in or I am in, what are some tips that you would give them to get out of that cycle?
0: Hmm. Uh, I guess the first thing is to really start fueling themselves every three to four hours. Uh, That is the best way to prevent a binge. Um, This may or may not be um, an issue for a therapist or a counselor, somebody to talk to you about, uh, because it's sometimes really difficult to do it on your own, Yeah. especially if you're into the eating disorder itself, if you really have disordered eating uh, behaviors. Uh, it you may be good one day, but you know then you go back to the same cycle the next day. So um, it's really difficult to do on your own, and to be a dietitian too um, to help them set up a meal plan that's appropriate for them.
1: Yeah, I love that. And and a dietitian, could you explain a little bit about a diet the difference between a dietitian that works with the general population and a dietitian that works with um, the disease um Eating disorders—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a specialized field, correct?
0: It is a specialized field, um, and a lot of dietitians kind of steer away from it yep. because there is a lot of behavioral health uh, component to it. So it can be kind of scary to um, be faced with you know some of these issues that come up and and not know how to handle them.
1: You know, right. I have uh,
0: patients that you know yell at me or scream at me or. You know, tell me to hate me or whatever because they, you know, they don't want to hear <laughs> what I have to say because yeah. they're so into their eating disorder that that's really what's ruling their life.
1: Yeah, and you're challenging that belief system. I could see how yeah. uh, a dietitian that is just really there to give you a meal, just meal recommendations based on from the neck down, um, would be challenged with with exactly. somebody who right. is is yeah. Um, dealing. With it. Little... Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So um yeah, I've heard too that we don't have very many um we don't have very many um registered dietitians that specialize in eating disorders here in this area. So um so thank you for doing what you do. Oh thank you. Yeah.
0: I really enjoy it. It it does uh take a kind of a special skill set to be empathetic to some of the behaviors and some of the thought processes that are going on in their head.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, because some people, yeah, you get so deep into it, it's totally, you know, totally makes sense to the person who's in it, but from the outside, you're like, wow, that is so, like, I mean, how much I restricted myself, and and like I said, I was not, it was not self imposed restriction. I was doing it based on the guidance that was given to me, but the, the mental place that I had to be at to follow that guidance. I mean, yeah, people ask me if I'm going to compete again, and I'll never say never, but. The idea of having to go to that space again, uh, not so much. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we're going to take another really quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about um, more training, nutrition, recovery, mindset. Mind, um, mindset.
0: Oh, think you know, think you got to
1: You've heard me talk a lot about learning how to reach your fitness goals and more frequently how to look as fit as you feel while learning to stop chasing skinny. And you've also thought to yourselves, yeah, I do want to reach my fitness goals in a shorter, more concise way to stop wasting my time bouncing back and forth from fitness tip to fitness tip in magazines, wasting hours researching the latest and greatest diet only to end up looking and feeling the same way you've been looking and feeling for years. And my guess is that you've been thinking about this for a long time, am I right? I know the feeling because I played these games too, for a very long time, in fact. I'm here to tell you this stop thinking and sign up for the SK Fit Life Challenge, an online training, nutrition, and coaching program that will lead you through 12 weeks of step by step guidance to help you finally reach your goals of looking fabulous and feeling fabulous. You're gonna get to free up all the headspace you've been wasting picking through random diet information being fed to you through the media and simplifying this seemingly complicated world of health. Your chances now. Do you really need more time, more information, more plans for the future? Or do you want to become that fit person today? Because the truth is this. You can be that fit person, or you can be the person that sits around thinking about becoming fitter. It's your choice. Read more magazines, blog posts, and bits and pieces on social media, or take action. Because let's face it, if you're not where you want to be, your current program is not working out for you. I want you to be successful. And why is this? Because you've already got what it takes. You've been doing the work all along. It's just been the wrong work. You have the desire, the discipline, and the potential. Now let's get you on the right track so those efforts you are already putting in can take you in the best direction possible. Join me and the hundreds of other SK FitLife clients for the 12-week online fitness challenge at skfitlife.com. All right, now let's get back to the show. with Deb today. Um, so let's go, let's continue on with where we've been. Um, I want to go into more, um, more of the training, the nutrition, the recovery, the mindset perspective to be in peak physical condition. Um, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, um, in the first couple questions, but I I'm including, um, an infographic in the show notes and it's by precision nutrition. It's a, it's, A website that um, I found this infographic really valuable because it lays everything out as far as different body fat percentages and what it takes to change out of that body fat percentage. And what I thought was most interesting was the leanest um, depiction on that was very lean and it actually is labeled unhealthy, so if you could share just a little bit, I know we talked about, you know, how we see it going into that unhealthy um, category. Um, let's talk a little bit about like the, the, the training nutrition recovery piece that keeps you at optimal and not over into that too much unhealthy category. So specifically on the recovery piece, could we kind of start there? Yeah, the
0: recovery is huge. Um, it's in a really important aspect of training. And that involves uh, fueling yourself as soon as you're done training. Um, within 20 minutes is optimal for glycogen uh, repletion. So you want to consume something that's high in carbohydrates, um, a little bit of protein as well. But the, the window for the protein is actually a little bit longer, it's an hour. So, you know, I always tell my, my patients or clients that. Um, You know, this is the time maybe to have a meal, If plan your meal after your training, um, where you will have plenty of carbohydrates and and protein. It's not um, necessarily a protein shake or, you know, some special item that you have to purchase. Um, You can just plan your meal after. And if you can't, if that is not accessible at that time or convenient at that time, then maybe then you do plan to have a, a sandwich or a wrap or something um, that you can grab quickly. Um, and if you know, or even something even more convenient if it's um, maybe just a, um, like a, a cliff bar or a luna bar or something like that until you can have your, your next meal to hold you over a bit.
1: Yeah, I love that you said that you you do have to to replenish, you have to fuel after. Um, I have had people who, it's almost, I mean, well, this was back in the day. They don't brag to me anymore because there's no bragging to me that I didn't eat. (laughs) Um, But, you know, some people would say, oh, yeah, I did X amount of exercise and I only ate an apple or something like that. Um, so it's good that they don't brag to me about that because they understand, um, it's not judgment. It's like, that's not good for you. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Um, and then as far as fat goes, fat is good. You need fat, but post-workout, that's probably not the time to eat fat, correct?
0: Um, post-workout, it can be part of your meal, but it shouldn't be the focus. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing per se, as long as you're getting enough carbohydrates. Um, for example, the carbohydrates. if you to a meal with, you know, sour cream and guacamole, that's fine. If it's part of your meal, if you're, you know, having rice and tortillas and, you know, other things along with it that are high in carbohydrates. Yeah. yeah. But it's not necessarily detrimental. Um, I think, you know, as Americans, we've kind of, you know, got this no-fat or low-fat ideas in our head that everything has to be low-fat. And it's not necessarily the case. It's important for uh, brain health and for a lot of body functions.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so just a little more about my whole adrenal issues that I have going on. I really don't restrict fat. I feel like I have plenty, like, I don't know, about 60 grams a day. But um, the doctor said he wants me to start having even more fat because of because um, it's gonna help my adrenals. So, um, and the other things that he said in my treatment is that, um, you know, if you follow me, I really, I don't do much cardio at all, but this is very helpful for somebody that maybe has been doing too much cardio. Um, he said that, um, I needed to scale back on that. So, um, have you, have you personally ever experienced any, um, adrenal problems or has your training been balanced enough that, um, that you've, you've kind of bypassed all of that?
0: I don't believe I have. Um,
1: Congratulations. I, <laughs> I
0: felt great. So I, I'm assuming that I don't have any issues there.
1: That's awesome. That's really awesome, because um, you know something too that I learned from a um, from a plastic surgeon. We were talking about um, a lot of cardio. That's a lot of um, a lot of gravity, like especially running. So it's a lot of you know gravity making those little pulls on your skin too. So um, you know, so somebody who is really just trying to um, it just do more and more and more to look better. That's that's kind of, it could be detrimental as well eventually, right? Yeah, that could be.
0: Um, I'm not quite sure about that, but that also could be a hydration issue. Ah, uh, yes. I just wanted to touch on that as well because um, that's a huge part of the refueling process yeah. is making sure you have enough fluids and electrolytes um, that you can replace from, uh, from sweating.
1: Yeah, and the fats that you were talking about. Yeah, of so course. Of course, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So let's move on to some other types of athletes. I really like talking about running because the running was my very first love. I still love doing it. I just don't do it as much. Um, but it is what, you know, it's, it's very accessible. It's fun to get out. And, um, but I do see that's where sometimes people do a little too much of it. Um, but so other, other types of athletes, are there certain types of athletes that are maybe more susceptible to eating disorders than others? And where do these issues originate from?
0: Oh, definitely I sport uh, as um, appearance based or weight based and definitely a new pro to be eating disorders okay but just gymnastics and dance um, I'll see a lot of runners um as well you know thinking lean. the more lean I am the better I am so it's faster I am so um, that's and that's not always the case
1: right never but, never always the case but yeah I, I was just wondering if there were certain um, certain sports that kind of, and that totally makes sense. Ones that are based on appearance, based on weight. Um, I've known a lot of people who were swimmers who had um, some issues with food. Um, and then, as, as so, if, if a parent is listening and their kids are involved in sports, how can a parent best support their child? Good question.
0: Um, I think, for one, they have to be a good role model.
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah.
0: Really, really, you know, take a look at yourself and and really listen to what you're saying to your child or saying out loud. Um, you know, I talk to parents um, all the time here at the hearth regarding, you know, what they say around their child and just to be really mindful that they're not labeling uh, food good or bad or um, that this is um, going to lead to, you know, bigger hits or something like that, or I'm getting so fat. you know, watching how they speak about themselves as well. Um, and really just, um, you know, just promoting good nutrition habits, eating regularly, um, having plants, snacks, not making things. So, um, you know, if, what am I trying to say, that don't deprive your child of, you know, little goodies and treats.
1: Um, Yeah. Well, like you, you said labeling, Mm labeling is very dangerous, which I think is just like common practice these days.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And I love that you brought up the point about, um, how you talk about yourself too. I once read, um, an article that was talking about how, um, especially little girls and mothers, um, that that it doesn't matter what the this this specific article was about this one family and and he was saying that he has seen this over and over again and the mother was so supportive of all of her children told them they were beautiful they were smart they were intelligent they could do anything they wanted to do but she had a lot of fears herself and she had low self-esteem and didn't feel very good about herself and always talked poorly about herself and how she couldn't do things and Um, You know, eventually the the children took on what the mother was saying about herself, regardless of what how great she told them they were. So I think that's really important. Um, Like you said, you know, it's um, it's important how mothers talk about their own bodies in front of their children. Um, And I think somebody else said, too, that if a mother might say something like, oh, well, I'm so fat, and the little girl's looking at her like, no, Mom, you're beautiful, but if you think you're fat, what do you think of me? Um,
0: Exactly, right. I see it all the time. Do (laughs) you? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so pervasive. And um, oftentimes when children hear their parents judging themselves or judging others, they feel judged themselves, even though the parent, of course, is probably not judging their child or thinking anything negative when a child hears that, hears the judging, just internally assumes they're being judged or feels judged.
1: So then, yeah, and that's, how, how would a parent, because um, I've, I've had this question asked of me before, too. um, You see, there is a mother and a daughter, and the daughter is is actually overweight. She really is. I mean, it's not just like she's just not skinny enough. She really is overweight. And so the mother is trying to figure out how to best help her daughter. What would be a good way for her to help? Um, You know, so we talked about how the mother could really talk better about herself and set the example. Um, As far as like having foods in the house and things like that, um, you know, we said don't label foods necessarily. But um, would it be just kind of to make like kind of because what I do with myself and what I encourage for my clients is to add more good stuff so that it pushes the not so good stuff kind of out of the way. You don't have time for it or space for it. Um, Like, can you think of other things that would be. Um, that you would recommend to a mother to help her daughter?
0: That's a good question. Um, I think that probably one of the best things is, you know, again, the way that she talks about herself and the what she eats so or how she exercises and, and kind of words it in a way that, that she is just um, working on her lifestyle habits versus weight or appearance um, or getting into a different size. Um, even though that may be her goal, but, um, you know, in, or may not be, um, right. yeah. just, you know, living more of a healthy lifestyle, you know, this is, you know, I, I like to walk or this is how I'm going to get my fitness in today. I'm going to, you know, uh, take the dog for a walk. or Yeah. Like, uh, I guess, yeah, I love that.
1: Yeah. Cause you, 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 they say it from a, a place of enjoyment. It's not a, um, it's not a burden. It's it's actually a privilege to get to be able to exercise. I love that.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Yeah, that's great. And and so something else, too. Um, I've had people where, you know, um, they have said things like, well, I just – I need to talk to my daughter about food. Um, you know, she's – she has been putting on extra weight, and now she's a vegetarian. And my advice and, – and, you know, you are the eating disorder expert here – but my, my advice – or my, my opinion or my, my experience, um, I was a vegetarian for 10 years, but it was partially because of the animals, but most of it was so that I could cut out animal fat. And so it came down to that. And so could that be a warning sign for parents if their child, um, changes something like that, like decides to, to be a vegetarian or vegan? Like, are there questions that you might want to ask the child? Like, Hey, why are you doing this? Or, you know, that kind of stuff.
0: Most definitely. Um, I'm so glad you brought that up. See it all the time, all the time. Um, You know, if you have um, an eating disorder, cutting out a whole food group makes it really easy to restrict.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Whether it's cutting out all the the meat or out the meat fat, um, it's it's a great way to cut out food and do it in a way that's not so noticeable to everybody else. So, yeah. yeah, it's definitely a red flag. Um, anytime someone cuts out a whole food group or says they're, you know, not going to drink theory for whatever reason or eat their food or um, things like that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely yeah. A red flag, and I would suggest to start really kind of examining those thoughts around why they're a vegetarian or why they're choosing some of the behaviors that they're, they're starting to do
1: yeah because i I um, like I said, I mean, I experienced that firsthand and and it's really interesting now, too, because um so with my adrenal problems that I've had, my functional medicine doctor suggested that I eliminate dairy and gluten. And I don't have a problem with that. Like I just replace certain things with I don't you know, there's no label good, bad, whatever. if if it's gonna bring down inflammation. Then I'm going to do it. Um, but it brought into the whole thing too the the gluten intolerances that are out there now. And I I've interviewed um, one of my good friends. She has celiac disease. So celiac disease is not you know. So I guess there's there's a difference between it being a lifestyle choice, which would be me being a vegetarian, and it being an actual medical diagnosis that um, that is is needed. Um, but anyway, so. I guess to bring around this whole point is that now what my friend who has celiac disease is running up against is um, a lot of people who work in restaurants think that she just heard that being gluten-free was a good diet fed. So, um, so there is, you know, there, there are certain times, like if you do need to, to cut that out because it's causing some kind of inflammation or a bad reaction in your body versus something um, that you're eliminating just because. So, um, I guess, I just wanted to kind of bring that up too, because I do hear some people where they're like, oh, I heard so-and-so is gluten-free. Well, so-and-so is gluten-free because it causes, you know, digestive problems, um, versus mm-hmm. it just being a good diet, gut, a diet, um, strategy, I guess so let's (laughs) sorry I guess uh, there's kind of a question kind of just an answer I guess just kind of some (laughs) random thoughts that you know because I guess it just really proves the point that eating disorders are very complicated you don't really know for one person it may be an issue for another person it may not be an issue
0: right
1: very complicated (laughs) very complicated Um, so we're going to take one quick break and we're going to come back for our final segment we And welcome back to the Stop Chasing Skinny radio show. So, our last question—I um, want to just kind of bring up um, some of these some of these myths that that you and I talked about before. Um, you know, like I said, so so for me um, it during my whole thing was, um, you know, I would eat super spicy foods because I heard that it burned more calories. Well, it didn't matter if I was eating 2000 calories worth of the spiciest Thai. (laughs) It was only going to burn like an extra 20 calories. Um, so like there's something like that, um, the fat burning zone myth, uh, being a myth. Could you, could you talk about some of those things that you've heard in the quote unquote dieting world? Um, and just shed a little light on that.
0: Okay. As far as the, the fat burning mode, um, you know, you've probably seen it on, you know, treadmills or other exercise equipment where, it, you know, if you get your heart rate up to a certain um, beat per minute, then it's, you're in the fat burning zone. But in actuality, we're burning fat as we are sitting right here. I'm sitting at my desk right now and burning 50% fat as an energy source. So it's really kind of a myth. That there is this mysterious fat burning zone. <laughs> um, it suggests that when you are exercising, you're burning a greater amount of calories per minute at that higher rate. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're burning more fat. Um, we're actually burning more glucose at those levels um, because our, our glucose our glycogen stores are our, our primary fuel source, like I said before. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as using fat as a source but um, yeah as our training intensity goes up the higher our our glucose utilization will be so we'll be burning more glucose at that rate
1: so I want to tie that into um, it kind of something else that messed with me um you know it, it kind of set me up it played a big part was um the the calorie burning, um, Charts that I used to see in fitness magazines. I'm sure they're everywhere, but I don't really pay attention to that stuff anymore. But um, you would see at the top would be like running. And I'm pretty sure that's what got me into running. I mean, running's great. I don't want anybody to think I don't like running, but it really, it, it really led into that whole calories in, calories out thing that I would calculate in my head. And I thought that if I wasn't running and burning the most calories, then I, it wasn't worth it. Oh,
0: oh, I'm
1: right. Yeah. it's really scary. (laughs) I only share some of what I used to think. (laughs) But, um, even my mom, my mom, um, I remember she was about 50 pounds overweight when I was in college and I would go home to visit and she would, um, she didn't want to walk around the block because she didn't want to be sore. She would get out of breath. And so when I would talk to her about being fit, she would say, Stephanie, I don't like running. And so, you know, we, we talked about it more and more, and mom, you don't have to run to get fit. So, eventually, she ended up um, buying a bicycle, and she lost the weight, and she rides the MS-150 every year. She hasn't missed a year since that time, so it's been, what, 12, 13, 14 years? Um, so, I, I think that, you know, we kind of get mixed up with some of that stuff. So, um, yeah, the cycling for, you know, a nice cycle, you're probably not going to get reach that fat burning zone, but you're totally burning fat. It's a great exercise, right?
0: Sure, sure. Sure. Oh, I love that. I have, like, the biggest smile on my face right now <laughs> because I have um, a very good friend, my boyfriend, actually. He's yep. my best friend.
1: Aww.
0: He has a two-step process for losing weight, and the first step is to buy a bike, and the second step is to ride it.
1: That's awesome. That's
0: and awesome. Uh, his sister, actually, lost over 100 pounds by by doing that two-step model. <laughs>
1: That's awesome.
0: And she's an incredible inspiration, too. She she rides her bike up in Ithaca, New York, and, you know, 10 degrees, she'll ride it to work, like, you know, she'll ride, like, five miles in the morning, and, um, you know, another five miles later on in the afternoon or in the evening, it's,
1: it's just awesome I love that I have goosebumps <laughs> that's so cool <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah and so you know somebody may think like I don't like exercise we may not like the exercise that you thought you had to do but there's always something that is fun and enjoyable and it will get your results and people ask me sometimes yeah. too they'll say Stephanie what's the best home workout piece of equipment and I'm like oh, the one that you're going to use <laughs> that one that's, that's one
0: that's <laughs> so true so true Yeah, people think that, you know, even with triathlon, they think they have to do miles and miles and miles to get any results, to get any performance results or weight loss results or whatever they're striving for. It's You know, just to find something enjoyable to do, whether it's swimming or just, you know, walking, it it doesn't matter. And you don't have to do excessive amounts to get the results that you want. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I love hearing that from an accomplished triathlete. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: Everything in moderation and I mean, you have to have a balance in life. I really believe that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Well, thank you so much for talking to us today. Um, I think that uh, this, like, you know, this whole entire series has been very, um, very important to me. Um, I, I, I encourage other fitness professionals to learn more about this so that you don't perpetuate the problem. Um, We are in a position of leadership and people listen to what we say. And so when we start doing, you know, we we are that parent in some ways to a lot of people. And so when we talk about, you know, excessive exercise, excessive dieting, our followers think that they have to do that, too. And so we're not doing anybody a favor, not ourselves, not our clients. So uh, really being educated on this has been, um, it's important to me. So, well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Deb. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, I I love that you broke down some of those very common things that we see a lot and, and shed some very much needed light onto some of these topics. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for listening and we will talk to you next week. Yeah, yes, Malayan. Always look on the bright side of life, you know. No more.
0: Now don't you ever give up? Don't you ever give in. Don't you ever give up? Don't you ever give in. Don't you ever.
1: you clean you're looking till I see plus Amiga the queen don't you get ever...